What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Devin Rothstein. Today, my guest is a former Arlen Porter lawyer for a couple years before my time, but he has graciously given us his time today on TMT Time, and I'm talking about Todd Arkey. Todd, how are you? Welcome to TMT Time. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. The connection, if some of you are wondering, is Todd is a serial entrepreneur who has told me that he's invested in over 50 companies. We're not going to cover all of them, but Todd, before we get into some of that, tell us a little bit about your background and introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Uh, so I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Uh, went to University of Michigan undergrad, go blue. Uh, straight from there to NYU Law School. Uh, I was one of the few people at NYU that did not want to be an associate at a New York City law firm. So I decided to interview in DC. Uh, my mom had gotten remarried towards the end of high school for me and moved to Chevy Chase, Maryland, right outside of DC. So I figured that would be a good place for me to work in DC. Uh, summer interned at Arnold and Porter, had a great time, met a lot of excellent people, some of whom I still keep in touch with. Uh, and then when I graduated law school, went to work at Arnold and Porter um, in 1998, worked in general litigation um, and enjoyed my experience a lot. Uh, learned a lot about what it's like to work at a big law firm. Um, about a year and change into my time in Arnold and Porter, a couple of my closest friends from law school came up with a business idea and I sort of was helping them think through the business, help them raise some money. Uh, I was just more of a sounding board and, and someone who's wanting to chip in and help out. Uh, and then they invited me to come join this startup, uh, which meant quitting my job, moving back to New York and taking an enormous salary cut. And so I just said, hey, that sounds great. Let's let's do that. And so. That was, that's what ended my time at Arnold and Porter. This opportunity came knocking and there are two guys, uh, Jason Finger and Paul Applebaum, who I admire a lot and enjoy, you know, sort of collaborating with. And the idea that they had, which was the, the beginnings of what became Seamless or Seamless Web, um, an online food ordering platform that serviced um, companies that ordered lots of food into the office and aggregated everything from a billing component and enabled them to implement all rules and, and budgetary restrictions seemed like a really great idea. Uh, and so after spending about a week thinking through their offer to come back to New York and do that with them, uh, it seemed to me like an opportunity I didn't want to turn down. There's a lot of usage of the word seem in there. Uh, so seamless, you had an exit, right? A couple of years ago or 10 years ago or so? Uh, we did. So we sold the business to Aramark in 2006. Um, there was an earnout component of that deal that kept me involved for a few more years in the business. And I exited that business in 2010 after being there for 10 years. And now you have the, the entrepreneurial bug, it looks like, and you have your hand in the proverbial pies, I guess. We'll keep up the food motif there. I, pre I appreciate all puns. Um, and yeah, so uh, you know, met a lot of great people along our journey at Seamless. Um, and along with Jason Finger and Paul Applebaum, uh, we've gotten involved in investing in a variety of private companies. Some are companies started by people we used to work with or people we met while we were at Seamless or people we've been introduced to along the way, sort of really leveraging our, um, our various networks and have found the opportunity to invest. And a lot of times investing in one business leads to hearing about another business uh, within the same sector or just because someone knows someone who they think you should meet. Uh, and so that's been really fun and interesting. And, you know, I, as an investor, uh, there are some businesses we're very passive investors in, other times get more active uh, and get our sort of roll up our sleeves and 
really try to help the entrepreneurs grow their businesses. Are you still in the New York area? Yeah, so I live in Westfield, New Jersey, which is uh, basically a New York City suburb. Uh, and you know, in normal times, I get into the city at least two or three times a week. And now you stay in your basement, uh, or my wife's office, which is yeah. the main floor. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you happen? We had uh, Julie Samuels, who's the executive director of Tech NYC. Are you involved in that organization at all? You know her? I, I know of her. I, I'm not involved with that organization, though. Uh, maybe something you want to think about. They do a lot of sort of mission-driven entrepreneurialism, which seems to be in your line of what you're doing now. And I say that because you're also involved in a company called ShareBite, uh, which so why don't you tell our listeners what the, the mission behind that is? Sure. So ShareBite is, uh, interestingly enough, the first sort of meaningful competitor to Seamless in the corporate arena. Um, so again, an online food ordering platform that, that's focused on servicing corporate clients. Um, but ShareBite is also a mission-driven business. Uh, the founders from the outset knew they wanted to start a business, knew this was a great opportunity, but also knew they wanted to help solve one of the biggest issues facing our country, which is childhood hunger. And, and both had done volunteer work for an amazing organization called City Harvest. Um, and they decided when they started ShareBite to make it so that it's under the model of for every order that's placed on the platform by a corporate client, a donation is made to City Harvest or Feeding America or a similar organization to go directly towards feeding kids in need. And so it's a for-profit company that just is very, very focused on its core mission, uh, which is helping to solve childhood hunger in this country. So do they is, like identify food deserts and help bring food to those areas? How does that, how does you figure out where the money that comes out of when the corporate client purchases it and you take money out and you put it somewhere else. How do you, are you involved in that and how does that work? Sure. So we're really the mechanism through which those donations, which are funded by ShareBite um, on behalf of the client, go to these organizations and then they determine how best to put that money to work. So to give you an idea, uh, City Harvest really, they don't sort of create the food, they rescue food from large food providers or restaurants and things like that. And so it costs them um, 25 cents to rescue what they call a pound of meal. And so that's very conservatively one meal for a kid in need. And so for every 25 cents that's donated, that's, that equates to one meal being provided through this mechanism. So when you say rescue a meal, we're talking like when restaurants throw out food at the end of the day or end of the night or something, they go and rescue it and then use it and help them donate it. That is true. Uh, my understanding, again, I'm not sort of all the way in the weeds, but my understanding is they tend to work less with like an individual restaurant and more with like gourmet halls and places that have yeah. like enormous amounts of, of leftover food. Yeah. Cafeterias, huge places. That's right. Correct. Well, that's awesome. So, all right. I, I'm not going to hit all of the companies that you work for. Those were the ones that stuck out to me. I want to hear from you what you're doing now. Uh, that is most meaningful to you and how you're still involved with entrepreneurialism and, you know, giving back to the community. Well, thanks for opening up the opportunity to talk about those things that I find most interesting. Um, so look, this is your say, show, man. Oh, well, it's my show, <laughs> right. but it's really your show. All right. I digress. Go, go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we can talk about web three if you want. I mean, what, yeah, whatever uh, you look, want I, look oh, I love it. We're big on web three here at TMC time. And we're going to have a bunch of other web three guests coming on, but you're not one of them. So I'm not just, one of them, yeah. which is good for you and your guests. Um, yeah. So I would sort of think of my life in like a pie chart form. Um, and I think, you know, a, a fair portion of that is still working in the sort of business community. Um, there are companies that I backed and I more sort of actively get involved, especially at the early stages. So 
you know, one example would be there's a company named Slice, which hopefully a lot of your listeners have heard of. And Slice is essentially a reverse franchise model in the pizza space. So what does that mean? So instead of Domino's that has franchisees, Slice goes and signs up individuals, uh, individual and small chain pizzerias, sort of your mom and pop pizzerias, if you will, um, and aggregates them. So there's, you know, close to 20,000 pizzerias on this platform and empowers those pizzerias to sort of compete effectively against what we call big pizza, Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut. Big, it's like big tech, That's big right. pizza. That's right, big pizza. Um, because in almost every instance, those uh, mom and pops have much better food. Oh, yeah, don't far more the, delicious. The, te- the technological expertise, the marketing expertise, the operational expertise in many cases. And so Slice helps them to compete very effectively. Um, because if you look at like Domino's, a huge percentage of Domino's business is now online versus the average mom and pop, a very small percentage of their business is online. That's certainly moving in the right direction, but um, slices are a huge accelerator to help those individual mom and pops compete effectively against big pizza. And so that's a company where uh, the founder, Aliyah Sella, who's uh, incredibly talented and in- incredibly passionate about this mission, comes from a family of uncles and nephews and cousins that own pizzerias, mostly in Staten Island to start. Uh, he has a technology background, so he started building websites and apps for them and then sort of saw the opportunity to provide a lot more help so they could compete. Um, and uh, uh, Jason, Paul, and I all got involved with uh, Alir very early on. He had created a really nice business uh, early on and knew that there was a huge opportunity, but you know, he was very candid and said, look, I need to get in front of the right investors. I need to bring in some senior talent. There's a whole lot I need to know about how to scale this business to where I think it can get. Um, and we sort of said, and obviously I'm um, summarizing this, but we said, look, we can help in all those areas. Here's what we're willing to do. Um, if we can figure out an equity arrangement here uh, that goes alongside of our own investment so that we have real skin in the game, we're happy to help. And to his credit, uh, and fortunately for us, Aliyah very quickly looked at the deal that we proposed and said, yes, that is what I want to do. Um, and so we all got involved. Paul Applebaum led the charge. He actually went in as acting president of the company when Alir only had a couple people in the U.S. at the time um, and a bunch of people in Macedonia, which is its own interesting story. Um, and Paul went in as the acting president. Uh, I helped with some of the initial sales hires and sales strategy uh, and sort of anywhere I could help. And Jason brought along a lot of operating expertise as well. And so that's a company where we got involved probably six years ago. And that bit that business now uh, is a unicorn uh, that is really doing great things for local business. Um, and Alir has become an unbelievable leader who's you know super sought out and respected, and it's all been very fun to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm looking right now. The slice looks like it's crushing it. You got investors, you got KKR investing, and you got 40 million in D round just this 2021. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been a great, a great experience. And so, you know, we, well, that's pretty close to other things we've done with Seamless and ShareBite. Um, there are other companies that we get involved with uh, that are not in the food space. So another company uh, is called Sideline Swap that I'm involved with as an investor and advisor. And that's a company that is buy, sell, trade, use sporting equipment. Um, and uh, I, I literally can recall. So is this your, is this like a new age played against sports from back in the eighties when I grew up? You, you you don't realize how much you just stole my thunder, but my, my ah. story was. Ah. I feel like we, we only met seventeen minutes ago, but I feel like we're on the same wavelength. Um, I was in Ann Arbor visiting, you know, going back to school once a year, which I do with my close friends for a game, 
Uh, and we walked into a play at again, sports I'd never been to one before. And I sort of looked around and said, this is a great idea. Now that store, in all fairness, was not well kept up. Um, and <laughs> if there's anybody who's ever been in a play against sports, I think that's the reaction of, of yeah. universal reaction. And so I just thought to myself, like, oh, this is a, this should be, I'm sure they have a great website. Like these stores are kind of a disaster, but the idea is so good. And so I I went back to the house we had rented and, and pulled up on my computer, played against sports, and noticed they had no e-commerce functionality at all. You couldn't go to play it against sports online. And so I as I've done from time to time, I wrote up a two-page business plan and said, this is a great idea. And then it went in my drawer next to the other one or two-page business plans that I never did anything with. And so about a year and a half later, I went to a uh, sort of a pitch off, a, a business competition where people were pitching their startup ideas. And this guy named Brandon got up, Brandon got up in front of everyone and pitched the exact idea that I just laid out about a digit, you know, an online version of Play wow. It Against Sports. Um, they, he also had a really smart angle of something I didn't know, which is a lot of college sports equipment that's used can't be sold through traditional methods. So the schools will like lay it out for its fans to come and buy stuff for $5 for these pads or $10 for this batting helmet or whatever. And so they were also leveraging sort of that opportunity. And so I went up to Brandon, he won the competition, he did a great pitch. Uh, and I went up to him afterwards and just said like, I I'm think in. it's a great idea. How do I get involved? And so I'm an investor in that business too. And I've I've introduced him to some folks. Um, a good friend of mine is partners with David Robinson from the San Antonio Spurs, Hall of Fame the basketball Admiral. player. Oh, dude, That's I a, love the Admiral. And, and the name so of their good. fund is, do you want to take a guess what the name of the fund is? Is it the Admiral? It is the Admiral Fund. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, I knew- He's it, so awesome. He is so awesome and, and just incredibly impressive uh, in so many- Navy ways. graduate. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, and, and does a started a charter school. I mean, so many, so many amazing yep, things. Yep. But, you know, my friend Dan Basilis, who is partners with David, um, they do a lot of investment investments in the real estate world, but they were also starting to look into other types of opportunities. And I introduced them to Sideline Swap and now they're investors as well, which is, which is cool. But yeah, I think it, it kind of highlights, I really enjoy bringing great people into my own personal fold and network and, and looking for opportunities for others at the same time, knowing they're going to do the same for me. And that's really played out very nicely time and time again. Look, this is the best part for me of TMT time, you know, is getting to talk to people like you who are, I can just see the enthusiasm and feel the passion that you have for startups and investing in people and building your network and actually doing good all the while. I'm going to tell you a play it again, sports story. So <laughs> my dad, <laughs> I just convinced my dad to get a Peloton and I'm obsessed with Peloton and I've been trying to get him to get one for a, a year, basically. Um, and he finally got one. He's got these old dumbbells and they're like 20 pound, you know, 30 pound dumbbells that, you know, he's my dad's almost 75. He can't really move around that well anymore. He said, my mom gets on the phone. They're like, we got to take these down to play it against sports. And I was like, when's the last time you've been to a play it against sports? And they're like, I don't know. And I said, call the people that come and pick this stuff up for you. Uh, and that's what they did. But I, I mean, other than that conversation, I don't think I've thought about played against sports since I was in high school and still buying stuff there. Yep, for sure. For sure. But, but uh, uh, check out Sideline Swap. It's a, it's a great site and fills a huge I'm, need. I'm going to have to check it out. So I have one last question back on Slice. So are they moving past the pizza arena to other restaurants or is it still just pizza? I would say the main focus is pizzerias. There's a tremendous amount of value. They're, they're sort of going deeper than they are wider. Um, so they're working with uh, pizzerias to help them on any number of different things that help 
to run their business effectively. In fact, they have an accelerator program where they actually go in and they've started, I'm going to guess a few dozen already pizzerias where they go and basically take over everything but the making of the pizza for these restaurants and say, let, let us do all the stuff that is not your core competency. And the, the early returns on that have been tremendous and as far as like significant uptake uh, and, and profitability for those individual pizzerias. So they're going very deep with pizzerias. I think they have, which is something that, you know, if you're a successful early stage business and then eventual sort of mid-stage business, a lot of opportunities come your way. So I would say there's no dearth of opportunities for Slice to go into different areas, um, but the company, you know, I give them a lot of credit for being very laser focused on the core mission. That doesn't mean that that's where they stay forever, but for the time being, that's, as you said, they're crushing it and they're going to continue to do so. Well, you know, this makes me think of, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of NFL football uh, and I have seen commercials lately from Domino's where they talk about giving money back and donating money back to local restaurants to help yeah. them compete in the pandemic. And I feel like it's in response to Slice. Yeah, it's it's amazing that you bring that up. Um, if you want to know the details of that commercial, because I saw that and said, yeah, that, that's what's happening here. What they say in the commercial is they gave $100,000 in gift certificates to local vendors. Yeah, You're like $100,000. I'm not saying that's not a lot of money, but you know how many franchisees Domino's has? It's like four dollars and fifty cents per franchisee or so i mean it's such an insane number they definitely definitely spent more making the commercial and airing the commercial yeah, than fair. they did yes. giving the local vendors they're, they're trying to generate goodwill from it yeah right? it's it's really uh it's astounding uh, but that's who you're dealing with and, and that's you know one of the reasons the slice has been so successful yeah corporate corporate disgusting cardboard pizza no offense domino's but it's not very good but it is fast and it is inexpensive. And in the pandemic, it's the, a company that has, you know, crushed it like un unbelievably. Yes. Um, but that's what I thought of when I thought of Slice. That's, that's, that seems actually pretty awesome. And if they can expand beyond, it's basically um, kind of DoorDash, Grubhub, competitor-ish, although it's more nuanced, although sounds and awesome. much, much more economical for the pizzerias. Like, I, I, I can't state that loudly enough. Um, it's a flat fee. And they get a tremendous amount other than just the sort of online ordering capabilities and apps and things like that. So it's a it's a real community. And it's it's sort of one of those companies, you know, I'd liken it's like a Patagonia where they eat, breathe and sleep, you know, the mission uh, yeah. and the mission's a good one. Yeah. Patagonia donates all their Black Friday sales every year to environmental causes. Uh, I live in Colorado, so I have had my fair share of Patagonia to my wife's dismay every year. I'm like, I need another Patagonia. Why? <laughs> well, they, they donate. What are you talking about? They donate. I should buy another one. All right. Well, Todd, I don't, I don't, would be remiss if we don't talk about the thing that I want to talk to you about the most, which is the camp that you founded called Experience Camps for Grieving Children. Um, I know it's near and dear to your heart, and I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners about it because we have a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of startup CEOs on the podcast on TMT time, um, but not all of them. In addition to their investment passion, they also have a, a different passion outside of that um, as profound and committed as yours. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk about it. Well, thank you. And uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I am going to start with a minor tweak of a correction just because it's a sensitive area for me. I didn't actually found it. Okay. <laughs> but, yep. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, actually I've, I've been involved. So since the very first summer we ran the program, I got involved and I've been actively involved ever since, but not the true founder of the organization. Um, Sarah Darren is the true founder and she's our, our CEO as well. But 
experience camps, what we do is we provide um, no cost camps for kids who've lost a parent, a sibling, or a primary caregiver. Um, and there's other things that we're doing, which I'll talk about in a minute, but we started with camp back in 2009. Uh, we had 27 kids come to a beautiful camp called Camp Manitou in Maine. And they had a, a week of camp where most of it, quite frankly, is just fun camp stuff. There's, you know, swimming and soccer and eating competitions and goofiness and messing around in your bunk and things like that. And then every day there's one grief related activity for these kids. Um, and the kids are typically from nine to 17 years old. And, you know, grief activity on day one, for instance, there's a sharing circle in the bunk where the kids have an opportunity to share with their bunk mates like sort of why they're there, the person that who died, share a memento if they brought it and, you know, can share as much or as little as they want, or they can share nothing at all. They can pass. Um, and then there are arts and crafts activities on other days. You know, we've done everything from slam poetry to drawing a big outline of your body and then drawing in, you know, when you're thinking about the person who died, like, what does it feel like? And can you sort of draw that um, to the closing campfire, which is the last night of camp. We have a, an all camp campfire where, you know, in many cases, almost every single camper gets up in front of the entire camp and shares a little bit about who they are and their story, which is incredibly moving and meaningful. Um, I was, uh, I called uh, Sarah when I heard that uh, she and her husband are two of the owners of Camp Manitou. I, I heard that they were going to start this program. Um, I heard from my mom because my mom had been involved in a similar program uh, that had started for young girls who had lost someone close to them um, called Circle Camps. And my mom always was hoping that a boys camp would do something similar. Uh, and so when Camp Manitou decided to start up their own program, which was called Manitou Experience, now called Experience Camps, I called up Sarah and said, you know, here's who I am. I, I lost my dad when I was 12, which I shared with her. Um, and interestingly, I was never a kid to talk much about it uh, unless you were really, really close friends with me. Uh, you probably didn't know anything about my story, but uh, I felt like this was something I really wanted to get involved with, right time of life for me. Um, and so I introduced myself and said, how can I help? And Sarah said, listen, here's what's gonna happen. We have our first camp this summer. You're gonna come be a counselor. We don't really know exactly what we're doing, but it's gonna be amazing. And uh, we'll get all your details and, and you'll, you'll submit your application. So I did that. I went as a volunteer that first summer and I've gone back every summer since. Uh, I've drafted as counselors, uh, my sister, my wife, many close friends of mine. Um, and I also joined the board of the organization uh, many years ago. I was the board chair for a couple terms and then stayed on the board and then recently took over the board chair role again. So I'm, I'm the current board chair as well. Um, and when I mentioned other things that we're doing, so we, we have now uh, this summer, we'll have over a thousand kids come to camps in five different states. Um, and so if any of your listeners want to learn more, just go to experience.camp. Uh, again, these are free week-long programs that are you know, incredibly meaningful and, and really impact these kids' lives. Uh, we hear that so much from their caregivers and therapists, uh, how important this week, even though it's one week, they get a tremendous amount of sort of healing and learning and inspiration. Uh, but we're also doing things now that we call outside the bunk program. So we're going to be leveraging technology, uh, whether it's gaming technology and other types of technology to help to impact, because there are over 5.3 million kids in the U.S. alone uh, that are bereaved, have lost someone close to them. And we love the camps and that's always gonna be at the heart of what we do as an organization, but we now want to start focusing on leveraging technology to be able to reach many more of that five plus million uh, population. Um, and we're also becoming one of the real sort of thought leaders and leading, uh, leading advocates 
for programs to help uh, bereaved kids. And so whether it's Sarah Darren um, as our main spokesperson, um, we're in more articles, magazines, websites, videos, um, as experts on this particular topic now that we've run this program for 12 years. And so there's just a lot of exciting stuff happening. Um, if any of the listeners want to get involved uh, as a volunteer, if they know families that could use the service, by all means, and if others want to donate, again, there's always that, uh, we are always that need for more money so that we can impact more kids. That was awesome, Todd. And um, thank you for doing that. Thank you for telling our listeners about that. I'll make sure to, to uh, put that out when we uh, share this episode. So I appreciate all the work and I know it's near and dear to your heart. So by my count, you've already told me that you do one week of camp a year. You go to a Michigan football game at the big house every year. This year was probably a pretty good year for that. All right. What, what else do you do during the year when you have time? It's, I don't know how you have possibly time to do anything else. Do you go anywhere for fun? What are you doing right now, even though it's a pandemic? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big tennis player. Uh, you know, uh, I have friends in my town in Westfield. That so what's, what's your level, I have to ask? I mean, somewhere between a 4-0 and 4-5. That's pretty good. Pretty yeah. competitive. So you yeah. play a lot. Yeah, I play a couple times a week at least. And uh, so I love that. I have two daughters. I have a 15-year-old and 11-year-old. Uh, and Anytime they will hang out with me, I like to be available to hang out because it's not that often that they're down to hang out with dad. But when they are, I'm, uh, I'm up for it. Um, and uh, yeah, those, those are sort of the things that keep me busy. Do you let the daughters get on the social media? Yeah, there's I mean, it, it's a it's, it's a mixed bag. I think the last two years, if nothing else, you know, my daughter has stayed connected to their people so yeah. well through social media. And I think at a time like I think that is such a blessing. I'm super aware of some of the, the negatives involved, but overall, I, I think net net, it's been a positive these past couple of years. Um, I'm someone who spent many hours learning about sort of the, the restrictions you can put on the, uh, the Apple devices and downtime oh, yeah. and, all, and, and it's a, I could sort of teach a, a, a masterclass on that. I feel like, but at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, trusting, trusting the kids in large part and also just appreciating that, like, you know, my, my wife and I decided to bring the family down to Florida uh, in last January and February, just because our kids weren't going to be able to be hanging out with their friends. It was super cold in New Jersey. Um, and really, without the ability for them to stay connected, you know, through digital means with their friends, that would not have been a decision that we could have made. So I do appreciate uh, what it does bring to the table. I feel like uh, we could have a parent support group on the battles with the how to protect and lock down the iPhones. It's yeah. like a, a maze. It's unbelievable. They give you just enough that it's enticing, but there's it's it's clear they've made decisions not to make. It's not super flexible. Like you can't say like here are several pockets of time that I want to be down. You can't even do that. Yeah. Um, no. And the third party <laughs> apps are a disaster. So <laughs> my son Googles how to get around everything. Oh, yeah. And watches YouTube videos. I'm like, how to crack out the <laughs> bark. Your parents put bark on your device. How to get around the router level restrictions. Awesome. That's also one of those things where like if you have kids like my 15 year old's incredibly bright, which sounds like a little bit of a brag, but it's actually makes my life much more difficult. Like you know, if she was a, a simpler mind, I think my parenting would be a lot easier. But you know, trying to stay one step ahead of someone who's legitimately smarter than you is yeah, outwitting you. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Todd, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your time today. We uh, Listeners will appreciate it. We'll get everything out about the camps. Um, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a true pleasure.